All right, it's Tuesday at 6 p.m. Welcome to GradCast, where we bring Western to the world. My name is Yimin Chen. I'll be your host today, and joined with me is my co-host. Hi, everyone. I'm your co-host, Ariel Frame, and we are welcoming our guest today from the MPA program, Henry Ure. Hello, guys. Nice to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's wonderful to have you. So first of all, Henry, can you tell us what is the MPA program? So the MPA program is a Master's of Public Administration. Uh, it's a one-year program, and we focus on local government. So anything to do with local government institutions, uh, services. Uh, so our main focus is not provincial or federal. Our main focus is just local municipal politics. So that's like city level. City stuff. level, yes. Okay. And this program is under the uh, the Faculty of Political Science, is that right? Yes, it is. Okay. Well, how did you get interested in, in you know this kind of degree program? Well, I did my undergrad at UFT in political science and uh, city studies. So it had a lot of components of uh, local governments involved in it. And I was drawn to this program because uh, being an immigrant, coming here, uh, there's so much services that local government sort of gives us that we as the public are unaware of unless if you're using those services. So I was drawn to it based on uh, my previous studies and also based on my life experience. Okay, that's great. So what is the, the nature of the project that you're working on for your degree here at Western? So my thesis, my major research paper that I'm doing, mm -hmm. uh, I'm looking at what programs are out there for government-assisted refugees. Just to backtrack, uh, in 2015, the Trudeau government made a promise to uh, bring in, relocate uh, 39,000 refugees if they were elected. When they were elected, they kept to that mandate. So they relocated 39,000 uh, refugees across Canada. Uh, 1,821 of them were relocated to London, and London has the third highest refugees behind uh, Hamilton, Toronto, and then it's, uh, it's London. And then it's London Sorry. number three. Yeah. We're number three. <laughs> All right, and so these are refugees. They're from Syria, is that right? They're from Syria. So what I didn't make clear is so there's three different categories of refugees. Mm -hmm. There's the government-assisted refugees, okay. there's the private-sponsored refugees, and there's the blended visa refugees. My project is particularly looking at government-assisted refugees because they are the ones that have the most amount of uh, trauma when they come over. They are the ones that are being persecuted. They lack the language skills. They lack the social skills. Uh, while the private sponsor and the blended visa refugees have a lot more robust support system through their community, through their uh, usually church organizations sponsors them or private individuals who are well-to-do in the community. So they're a lot more, uh, and they, they're recruited based on their educational and language and sort of there's, there's strong skill sets to come over, if that makes sense. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So uh, if I understand correctly, um, uh, often they'll look at merit for the sponsor sh sponsored uh, refugees, but then the government-assisted refugees, it's more on need? 
Exactly. It's more in need. They're the ones that are in most need. They're the ones that are being persecuted in their country. So they're being running from like serious wars being raging on for quite a while now. Mm -hmm. So they're the ones that have been on the run for quite a prolonged period of time. So that's why I decided to focus on them because they're going to need a lot more attention and a lot more resources in order for them to sort of transition to the wider uh, London community. And also the reason why I decided to look uh, to uh, research them because when they come here, they receive a monthly allowance. Uh, the federal government provides them with a monthly allowance for up to a year. And if they don't have employment after that, they get transitioned onto the social services uh, uh, departments in whatever city. So that would be London. Is, is uh, the allowance that they get in that first year um, around the same amount that they would get after that same uh, the first year via, uh, as you said, welfare? Uh, that I'm not sure. Yes, yes, it would be the same uh, comparable standards to the welfare okay. that they receive. Right. Yeah. Depending on how much this, the size of the family, if it's five, so it all depends. So. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, from your, your take on it, um, do you think that that amount so far has been sufficient to help people get on their feet, um, how often are people having to stay on welfare after that year? Well, I like I'm not in the position to make that assessment at this moment. However, uh, one thing I do know what I was interested to why I want to research it was that I know for the long run that is not very healthy for the wider community of London to have a significant amount of uh, their population on welfare. Mm -hmm. Also, the key thing was that you want these new people in your uh, community to be integrated widely, right? And the other thing with having a job is it gives you a sort of proudness. It gives you the stability to plan for the future. It gives you that independence, right, that I think most people will like rather than be dependent on a system where you don't even know um, where the money you're receiving oftentimes is very small. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure the experience of being a refugee is something that a lot of us and a lot of our listeners uh, don't have much experience with. Can you tell us a little bit about what sort of challenges refugees face when they come to a new country like Canada? Well, n number one, they've been in a war zone for a long period of time. So mm -hmm. in terms of mental health, we have to look at that. In terms of trauma, there's a lot of trauma they face. They face language barriers. They face isolation because uh, they don't have much family or much uh, connections to the community. Mm -hmm. So for me, I want to look at sort of what, what will help them rather than being isolated once they come. Because loneliness is a very, very real thing amongst the refugees because right. The one thing that I've, the research has also shown that is because of the backgrounds they come from, oftentimes they don't, not they don't trust authority, there's a bit of an iffy for authority, right? So they don't go seek help from authority, which is kind of strange in the Canadian context because that's the first thing we go seek. Right, yeah. because a lot of these people are coming from countries where the authorities are the ones who are persecuting them. Exactly. Uh, yeah, exactly. Been, I can't, uh, I can't remember it in any country in particular but I've been to places where they say well if we have an issue you don't really report it to the police because yeah. they're not really going to help you and if you want them to help you they're going to ask for 
some some money right up front. Sure. So corru- corruption is 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 rampant in in plenty of countries, um, and I mean it's pretty amazing how we manage to not have that much relatively uh, here. And you can actually go to the, <laughs> go to the police. So that might be new. I can imagine how that would be new. Yeah, to yeah, yeah. So I guess they're trying to adapt to those sort of new concepts and new ideas, and sort of uh, integrate them. Okay. So as far as the work on your project, your research and uh, data collection goes, what sorts of things are you doing uh, to learn about the situation of refugees here in London? So right now my data uh, mostly consists of just desktop research. Okay. Uh, So I'm just pulling a lot of data from uh, the federal government's uh, immigration policies, this uh, City of London strategic plan to see that if they do have a strategic plans in place to help because every local municipalities has like a five-year strategic plan that mm-hmm. they have so I wanted to look at that to see if they had sort of included that the refugees as they had allocated certain funds for programs so it's mostly that's re- uh, re- research at the moment however once I get to th- advanced stages I will be uh, and get a th- approval from ethics I will be interviewing uh, staff members who run the the one the one organization that sort of overlooks a lot of programs is called the London Cross Culture Center mm-hmm. so I hope to get in contact with some of their senior management who run the uh, newcomers programs to get the sense of how those programs were going but at the mean for now, it's mostly pulling data off my computer. So you're talking about immigration policy and London's sort of strategic plan. Uh, have you found anything in there about w- what steps are being taken to uh, look after the refugees? Yes, yes, I have. Uh, they have allocated funds. Mm-hmm. There was a plan before they even came. So they had to, there had to be a hotel in mm-hmm. place for these individuals. There had to be food. There had to be uh, translators in place. So this was a whole system that the city had to come up with. Even though the federal government and provincial government are mostly funding the, funding the program, the responsibility falls on the city. So I think one key thing is that they're doing is uh, open up certain facilities for after-school programs, for uh, for them to for for language skills and so forth. Okay, and so you mentioned the cultural center that mm-hmm. we have here at London. What sort of programs? Are, well, are they involved in some of these programs? What sort of services do they provide? Yeah, so for them, one of the key programs uh, they provide all kinds of programs at London Co- Cross Culture Center. So it's not just for refugees; it's for immigrants. Okay. Period or newcomers. So, as I mentioned previously, like after school, uh, language training programs. Uh, one of the neat programs that I discovered recently that they provide is that whatever field that you're interested in, if you want to go into the police force, if you want to go into nursing, whatever you want to get into as a newcomer, they have those specific programs and they have the language specific programs to use in the Canadian workforce, right? Because uh, so I think that was cool to sort of get the to teach because it's easy to get a job. You also have to be able to maintain that job, right? right. You have to learn the skills in order to sort of, I guess you say the 
talk around the lunch table, right? You know, you have to be able to have those small talks. And if you don't have that, it's difficult to sort of get along with your coworkers. So I guess the question you ask is what type of programs they, uh, they offer. Mm-hmm. They offer basically programs for anything to immigrants to integrate. Okay. If that makes sense. Sure. Yeah. So how about like uh, like childcare for people who come maybe with a they small do. child? They do have programs that offer childcare, which is quite impressive. I never sort of I never thought about it, but as I was looking at my research, it's like mm-hmm. we have uh, childcare, we have uh, translators for multiple languages, right? Because it's just not the refugees that this uh, this uh, London Cross Culture Center is providing services to. There's multiple multitude of uh, uh, different newcomers and immigrants, so it's quite it's it's quite the service, I must say. They do quite a so far from what I have learned and from what I have pulled off the computer, it's quite an effective uh, an effective uh, an effective service provider, and it's been well thought of the government uh, of bringing refugees here. So you said uh, you said London was the third highest in terms of intake of uh, refugees. Uh, why was that? Why London? Or, or, I mean, maybe we were situated. Was this uh, community center in place before and shown success? And is that why we got so many here? I think cities are one of the things, London's population has been decreasing. And for economic reasons, they wanted to bring a lot more uh, to increase the population. Uh, it's for more of economic stimulation because... Uh, you know, newcomers bring new ideas. It's just not the refugees, right? Uh, the private sponsored refugees are well educated. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think London was trying to recruit them. So it was more for cities are always trying to recruit people to get their population up because that's what brings uh, companies, investors, new ideas, and so forth. So it was part of their strategic plan to bring uh, a host of them to help them economically. And also, it was also morally, right? There's an economic argument, there's a moral argument that we need to do something about this tragic tragedy that's happened over uh, in the Middle East, which is Syria. Hmm. So do, um, I think we, we might have discussed it in bri- briefly beforehand, um, and we mentioned also like childcare. So do we have an idea Kind of the different demographics of the of the from the thirty nine thousand that were were taken in. How many of those were children? That I cannot say. Uh, I cannot particularly say. The only ones I know is the ones that have been in London, and I'm not even sure the demographics of those. Uh, all I know, the only thing I know is how many, uh, which I don't remember on top of my head, how many of the different groups came in. But uh, for the private sponsors, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, individuals uh, sponsored uh, like kids who were in trouble. I guess the whole thing that precipitated this uh, through the government was there was a child that had drowned right in the front of the uh, I forgot which but it was a huge topic. It was like mm. we have to do something about it. So that was one of the keys. When the Canadian public saw it, there was a huge outcry because the child was had Canadian relatives who was waiting to be sponsored. And as they waited, that they tried to flee over to Europe and he drowned. So that was one of the key uh, instigating factors that led to this policy of relocation. So I'm sure uh, there was a big push 
to get kids over, right? So definitely. And uh, maybe kids who are not so young, <laughs> if yeah. you fancy yourself a kid still in your early 20s, yeah. how about those early 20s kids? Um, if they come here, we don't know necessarily how many there are, but you said there are services in place to help them. I mean, what do kids do in their early 20s? Maybe they go to university, maybe yeah. a university like Western. Yeah. Can refugees attend Western University? And do we have an idea how many maybe are attending Western University? That's something that I'm going to have to get extra funding for to do more research. <laughs> on. Yeah. yeah, so I'm advocating for that right now. Yep. But uh, definitely we're not sure. The only reason why I chose to do the government assist for refugees, I found that one of the characteristics of the teenagers is that, yes, it's difficult for them, but at least socially they go to school. They're right. a lot more integrated, wider, rather than the adults who are, it's a lot harder to... Uh, to get acclimatized to a society you don't know, right? So the one way to look at it is like, well, we need to get you a job to get out so you can sort of, you know, feel comfortable. Because Canada can be a very is isolated place in the winter, it's cold, mm -hmm. you stay in your apartment the whole time. It's totally different from, uh, obviously they've been in a, a war zone, so it's totally different, but, you know, being a newcomer or coming from different countries, you're a lot more sort of, uh, you 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 have a wider community as in Canada. It's not like that, right? So yeah, I hadn't thought about the the the, uh, the winter and the yeah. different uh, yeah. weather. Must be a big change. I'm I'm from Vancouver, and yeah. coming here was already a kind of a little bit of a shock. Not not huge, but com coming from the Middle East to here, I know it's significantly hotter. Yeah, <laughs> and in the, in the winter it can get really cold here. So that must for be sure. a struggle. For sure. For sure. And so as far as um, policy and planning goes, is the idea to have uh, most of the refugees that have arrived in London to stay in London? That's a very good question. That's one of the keys mm -hmm. to why we want to do this, because as I mentioned earlier, cities are recruiting these people because they want them to contribute economically to the city. Mm -hmm. However, because of Toronto and right. the bigger GTA, if these programs are not there, it's easy for them to get up and go into a Toronto where they, you know, they have a lot more support, a lot more network because of the immigration population is a lot more bigger, right? So the key thing is how, when you bring them here, how do you keep them, right? Because you have to understand the cities. Uh, cities are also investing a lot of resources right and the, you don't want to train equip them with the skills and then they leave so that's one of the key things that's why i'm looking at this is that how do we get them transition and how do we get them to stay here so definitely that's a, a huge uh, policy of the of the city is to once they relocate here mm -hmm. is to stay here okay so based on your, your sort of uh, desktop research so far, mm -hmm. uh, on paper, do you have a sense of how successful some of these policies and programs have been so far? It's difficult to make that assessment, but right. I guess I could give my own sort of opinion from the limited. Sure. Uh, because I still have a lot more to go with my project. However, I could say that from the programs I've discovered, I was quite surprised how many programs are out there. 
in terms of for newcomers, not just for refugees, for immigrants, like uh, your colleague stated earlier, uh, do they provide babysitting services? Mm -hmm. Yes, they do. Uh, there's various programs in place. However, I think the key thing is, are they being used? Right. I think that's the key thing that, because my research is only one year, I have a very mm -hmm. limited amount of time of what I need to sort of figure out. But I think that would be the most interesting part right now is that these programs are out there. However, are they being used? Mm -hmm. So that, that's the question. And I'm also advocating for more research funds. <laughs> of course. We'd all love more of that. Yes. <laughs> Aren't we all? We're all trying to meet those deadlines. For sure. Get more money to do our work. For sure. Um, I, uh, just out of interest, um, I, I mean, I don't know if I've personally, I think I've seen families and people walking around. At least I think I've seen in Vancouver. When I was in Vancouver, I saw some Syrian refugee families before, but I've never actually met and spoken with any Syrian refugees before. Um, I know that you said it could be tough, and you're going you're gonna to speak with the staff members who work with the programs, but in just passing, walking around London and chatting with people, have you had any conversations with any? Have you by chance met any Syrian refugees? Well, I, I, I'm i not sure if they're Syrian refugees, right? Uh, but I have spoken to members of that community. Uh, I'm not exactly sure if what exactly where they're from in the Middle East. Mm -hmm. uh, however, yes, I have uh, spoken to them. But it's just difficult to interview them just because of ethic rules yeah. and so forth. So, Well, I wonder if uh, any of our listeners would be interested in getting involved in some of these programs, uh, volunteering or helping out for refugees or just, you know, newcomers to Canada in general. Do you know about any um, opportunities where people can get involved in helping um, immigrants and refugees get settled? Yeah, the London cross Cultural Center is always looking for volunteers and extra hands. So if okay. you're out there and you feel like you have a passion, to help newcomers, refugees, or anybody in need, the London you can contact the London Cross Cultural Center to get uh, to get information about volunteering because they'll all, especially uh, to teach English, mm -hmm. uh, to just conversate if you have time because just the language skills, just speaking, they helps their language, right? So if you have just time to just to talk about soccer, basketball, whatever it is, just to improve their language. And they do have programs like that, volunteers who just come in to just conversate with uh, with people who are trying to learn English. So just simple things like that. It doesn't have to be extravagant. Uh, it can be a simple thing as just going and talking to someone for half an hour or 20 minutes. Right. And so are, do you think it's language uh, that's sort of the biggest challenge to overcome for refugees or newcomers to Canada? I mean, it's difficult to say, uh, but I think once you're comfortable with the language, you're mm -hmm. able to, you're a lot more comfortable going out and applying for jobs, talking to people, sort of understanding, right? Because oftentimes, sometimes there's a misunderstanding between languages. I know speaking from a different language sometimes, what my parents are trying to communicate with mm -hmm. me in English is totally different from what they're coming across, right? 
So that's important. Uh, language is important, but I'm sure there's a whole host of other uh, other variables that they need for them to help uh, to help them in the country. But language is definitely important. But I wouldn't say it's the number one because you can have the language skill, but if there's no jobs available, right. then there's no. Uh, it doesn't matter, I guess. Uh, do we uh, do we have any idea, sort of, um, what what kind of jobs, uh, what kind of jobs uh, ref- refugees are tending towards? I mean, I can imagine it's hard because you said um, that the the, sp- the sponsored ones come in because they have um, particular skills that they can leverage for mm-hmm. positions. Uh, whereas if they didn't have skills or they're in a if they were in a war torn country where they didn't have a chance to develop them if they're in their twenties uh, or their thirties or their forties and they want to have a job and they but they haven't actually been trained in any particular capacity, what kind of jobs are available for them? Well the great thing like I said previously that the city is training them in all sorts of different uh different employment sectors right so if it's police and you want to get into if you don't have the necessary experience because the one thing i also noticed that the city is trying to sort of bring the younger generation because they know they're going to have a bigger community of them out here they also need individuals who sort of in the community that look like them who can speak the language who can connect with them so i think that's one thing the city is trying to do sort of getting to the careers that are uh for the long term, just not the short term. So to your question, it's difficult to say uh, what kind of jobs that they're going to be attracted to. But what I know is that the city is trying to put out uh, the necessary resources to get them to certain jobs that will help them to the long run. Because you're right, you don't want to get into a job where you're just in a cycle of poverty you're getting very little money, right? You want something that will sort of hold you down and keep moving forward. Okay, great. And I guess since you're about halfway through your program, more or less right now, yeah? Um, what are your aspirations for the future? What What do you plan to do after this degree? Well, I hope to... Uh, I want to pursue a PhD, but I think I'm going to put that on hold for now to All sort right. of get... Uh, I've been doing school for the past, this is my fifth year, mm-hmm. almost in a row, so I want to take some time, uh, maybe go back home. I'm from Ghana originally. Maybe do some research in local government there mm-hmm. uh, and eventually come back and, and, and work in some sort of role in the city. Uh, so definitely some sort of policy in the future, but for now, rest. So we're we're rounding up just the last uh, last part of the interview here. Um, thank you so much for coming on the show and you know spreading awareness generally about this topic. It's it's really important, and I really hope that um, your your work gets funded more. So because it seems like it's a really valuable thing to invest the money, especially local government, maybe. For sure, <laughs> so that's uh, important. Um, what we like to ask uh, our guests uh, right at the end is if somebody wants to get a hold of you in particular or. Um, and if you, if, you're, if you have a supervisor and you want to want they want to get a hold of them to find out more about your work in particular, how can they get get a hold of you? Do you have a internet media presence or or email or how would they get a yeah, hold? Yeah, I have an email. Uh, my advisor is uh, Dr. Martin Horak. 
Uh, he's the ex coordinator of the MPA program. He's great. Uh, my email is h a w e r e at university of western ontario ca. So you can always get me there. Uh, if or you can contact uh, Dr. Martin Horak to get more information about our work. But we're always interested to uh, get feedbacks and get new ideas. So. All right. Well, thank you very much for joining us today, Henry. And we here at GradCast wish you all the best. Thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it. It was wonderful doing this. Awesome. And GradCast is a production of the Society of Graduate Students here at the University of Western Ontario. And SOGS would like everyone out there to know that the Western Research Forum is very quickly coming up. It's going to be held uh, on Friday, March 16th. And it's a one-day, all-day big celebration of what we talk about here on GradCast, Western research done by grad students. So definitely we'll invite you all to please come out, support your peers and friends, and maybe have a free cup of coffee and some snacks. The theme this year is controversy, so you know it's going to be good. Catch you next week. composed for us by Matthew Becker.